Thank you. And would you guys pray with me over our message this morning? Lord, we're here to listen to your voice. And so I pray this morning that you speak. And God, I pray that what I say is accurate to who you are. Lord, keep me from speaking any opinions. And God, we want to hear your truth, even if it's uncomfortable, um, even if it challenges us. That's why we're here, Lord. We're here to be changed. So I pray that as we read your word, as we teach your word, we are changed this morning. We need you, not opinions this morning. In your name, amen. All right, well, thank you for joining us, and we are going to move on with the fruit of the Spirit, and we're really getting into it to where I'm going to have to start rolling through the recaps, otherwise it'll be the entire message will be recaps, and we don't want that. So take a big breath, and I'm going to roll through this, all right? Fruit of the Spirit, it's important because we can rely on our emotions way too much. Our emotions fool us. They trick us. You do not want to be using your emotions as a gauge to where you're at in your faith. Not a good idea. Fruit is solid. Fruit is something you can look at and truly know this is what's going on in my life. So it's important for us to know that. The proof is in the fruit. What grows, what spills out of your life is real. That's real. So, so we can either be led by the Spirit of God that lives in us, and there's certain fruit that's going to grow out of our life, or we can be led by our flesh, and there's going to be other fruit that grows out of our life. And so we're going to see the fruit of the Spirit if we're being led by the Spirit. So first, love. Not love the way we tend to define it or our culture does. This is true agape, selfless, sacrificial love. And if our flesh is in charge, we're going to have selfishness, selfish ambition. Then we're going to have joy that grows out of our life. And this is not happiness. This is joy. This is knowing what has been done for you, knowing what is coming for you, what promises you have, and allowing that to be your refuge, even in the bad times, which is much different than happiness. Your flesh is going to envy. It's going to say, I want my right now to be good. Why does that person have a good right now when my right now is not very good? That's not joy. That's the opposite of joy. Then peace, which is not just calm. It's not, it's not quiet. Peace is when everything is whole, when everything's been brought together. And that's going to happen. We're going to have that spilling out of our life when we are being led by the Spirit. And our flesh is going to cause dissension is going to be separating, creating factions upon factions upon factions upon factions. That's what our flesh will do if we're being led by our flesh. And then last week, we talked about patience or better, long-suffering, the ability to endure uncomfortable situations for a long time without giving up. Because we talked about that's how we are refined. That's how we see things through to the end. These, these amazing promises that God gives us, if, we are, if we're not able to endure the uncomfortable refining process, we're not going to be able to see those promises to really come to fruition in our life. And our flesh is always going to look for shortcuts for those promises. How do, I, how do I receive the amazing supernatural things that God wants for me without enduring the uncomfortableness. And, and so there's a word that was used that was witchcraft, which is basically the idea of I can shortcut my way to supernatural things versus I will do it God's way. I'll endure it the way that God has called me to, and I will be patient and wait for him to deliver in his timing. 
we tend to want a shortcut, and our flesh will always look for shortcuts. But the Spirit of God doesn't look for shortcuts. The Spirit of God is willing to endure and suffer. And so today we're going to talk about kindness. And this is where it gets interesting because there's kind of three words in this fruit of the Spirit that on a surface level feel like they're exactly the same. There's kindness, there's goodness, and there's gentleness. And it seems like on the surface we can just lump all those together and have it be one sermon. Because really that just means don't be a jerk, right? Like I can say that, let's lump them all together, be a nice person, don't be mean, be good to people, and now go home and that covers all three of those. But there's a reason why there were three different words listed here. And those words do have certain things in common. There is that overarching theme of like, you know, be a good person. You know, as a Christian, people should be able to, even from a distance, go like, hey, that's a pretty, pretty good person, you know? And, and, but these three words, the reason why they are listed is each of them has a different focus where if you look at where these words are used in the Bible, there tends to be a very specific type of situation that each of these words are used. They are not used interchangeably. They're not used just kind of whatever seems right at the moment. There's an intentionality to what these words mean and where they are used. And again, that just goes to the fact that really digging into what these words mean is so important. So kindness. What does kindness mean? For most of us, it just means to be nice, right? To, to talk nice to people. Don't yell at anybody. Don't use bad words. Just be kind. Don't be a jerk, right? And, and that's part of it. That's, that's, a, that's a big part of it, I would even say. But the question we have to look at today is what makes kindness different from goodness? What makes it different from gentleness? What context is kindness used in which we can really pull the core meaning of this word and why Paul decided I need to use three different words in this fruit to really nail down specific characteristics that should grow out of the life of a believer. So did you know this? Do you know that kindness is useful? Do you know that it actually achieves a purpose? That when kindness is in play, big things happen. We don't always think of that with kindness. We think of it as just, I want to be a good person. But do you know that when you show kindness, it actually accomplishes something? There's an intentional purpose for kindness that should change situations in your life. And I'm going to bring you to Romans chapter 2, verse 4, because this is where we get the first glimpse of what kindness is. And this is what it says. Or do you show contempt for the riches of his kindness, forbearance, and patience, not realizing that God's kindness is intended to lead you to repentance? That's an interesting verse. I want you guys to think about when you came and gave your life to Jesus. When, when that repentance, the, the turning around, I used to live for myself and I used to follow my flesh and now I'm surrendering to Jesus and I'm going to live for Jesus. Think about why you did that. And it's easy to think about, well, I didn't want to go to hell, right? So that'd be fear. You know, I was, I was afraid. 
There's all sorts of characteristics that we could say, this is what really brought me to that. But I think if you were really honest with yourself, it was the kindness of God. It was his mercy. It was the fact that this God, who I had severed myself from, who had every right to leave me where I was, where I had no hope, decided not only to allow me to have a relationship with him again, but pay the price that it cost. That kindness is pretty amazing. And what I think you will understand is that kindness, although we tend to think of it as just like, a, ah, it's being a nice person. Most of you right now, if I gave you a minute, could remember somebody being kind to you. And it might have been 10 years ago. It might have been 20 years ago. But somebody who showed you kindness sticks with you. It impacts you greatly. I can remember at least 10 times in my life, some of when I was, a, I was like a 12-year-old boy where I remember somebody being kind and it stuck with me and it impacted me. And what we have to understand is kindness leads to reconciliation. Kindness leads to restoration. That's what the Bible says, is that it was the kindness of God that didn't accidentally lead to our reconciliation, to our restoration. It was intended. It was on purpose. That was the tool that God used to say, I want to restore this relationship. How do I do it? I will use kindness. That was the tool that God decided was the best tool to use to restore our relationship. And it's the same in our relationships right now. I think if you were to look around our country right now, what you would see is a lot of divided, broken relationships, right? Because of what has happened recently, there are families that are torn apart. There's friendships that have been broken. There's a lot of relationships that are broken all over the place. And it's easy. I know a couple weeks ago I talked about how we should be peacemakers that should be growing out of our life. We as Christians should be unifying, making things whole again. How do you do that? The Bible tells us it's actually through kindness. Kindness is that unifying force. Kindness is what God himself chose to cause that restoration, that reconciliation to come. And it's the same in our relationships. Kindness is usually, almost always, the first step in a broken relationship being mended. Have you guys noticed that? If a relationship is broken, it really is not going to go very far towards restoration until kindness is shown. Kindness is that tool. It's that force that brings people together. So let's talk about what makes kindness different than gentleness, different than goodness. What is it about kindness that, that makes it that this word is so important? And I want to bring you to Joshua chapter 2, verse 12. And I'm going to read this verse, and then I'm going to explain it to you a little bit. This is what this verse says. It says, Now then, please swear to me by the Lord that you will show kindness to my family because I have shown kindness to to you. So this is where this, this word is used twice right here. And this tends to be almost every time the situation in which kindness is used is when one person has the upper hand over somebody else. So let me explain this situation. So in Joshua, the Israelites are going towards the promised land. 
And they're, they're defeating nations and they're rolling through nations. God is blessing them and they are taking countries out. And they are successful to the point where the other countries that are on their path, the other nations, the other tribes that see the Israelites coming are terrified because the Israelites are just destroying people. God is on them and they're going to the promised land. So much so that even Jericho, which most of you know is known for the wall, most of you know the story of the walls of Jericho coming down, but even with their walls, they are terrified of the Israelites that are coming. And so what happens is the Israelites are getting close to Jericho, and so Joshua sends spies to Jericho to just check some things out. Unfortunately, the king figures out that they're there. So can you know that if you're a spy and you go into a nation and the king knows you're there, that's not good, right? That's not where you want to be as a spy. More than that, the king knows where they are. They had gone to Rahab's house. That's who was speaking here in Joshua. She was a prostitute, and the king knew they were there. So you're in a real bad spot if you're a spy. The king knows you're there and knows where you are. But what happens is, and this could be made into a 007 movie, Rahab hides them, lies to the guards, sends them in the wrong direction so that the guards are, are trying to find them somewhere else. These, these spies were cooked. They had no chance. They were going to get killed. And then the only way they could get out is because Rahab's house happened to be part of the wall. So she could let them out her window out of the wall. It's a crazy story. And these spies had no chance except for Rahab. She was the only chance they had. They were powerless in that situation. And so what she said is, I showed you kindness because that's what kindness is. I have all the power. I have all the ability. If I want to, I can squish you. I'm the one with the upper hand, but I showed you kindness. But she knew that the Israelites were going to win. She knew the Israelites were going to take Jericho. And she knew that coming up pretty soon, I'm not going to have the power anymore. You guys are going to have all the power. You're going you're to take this wall down, and we are going to be at your mercy. And so she says, would you show kindness to me then? Because when I had all of the power, I showed kindness to you. But I know a time's coming where I'm not going to have that kind of power. And you are going to be able to squish me if you want to. So would you return that favor and show kindness to me? And that's the heart of what this word is, is that you guys have probably noticed that as you go through life, the power dynamic in your life is constantly changing. You're in one place, you feel comfortable, you feel in control, you're the one who's at a good spot, and then you leave and all of a sudden you're the one who needs help. And you're not the one that has the power. And this dynamic is constantly changing, right? I can, I can be working here at the church and feel good. Hey, I'm the pastor. This is good. And if I go to get my car worked on, suddenly I'm at everyone's mercy because I don't know anything about cars, right? And just in a matter of 10 minutes from a drive, I go from being the one with a lot of authority and a lot of power to the one that's like, man, if you really want to charge me $100 more than you should or whatever you can because I'm kind of powerless. I don't have the knowledge. I don't have the expertise. I'm kind of at your mercy here. And as we go through life, it's kind of always changing, even in the midst of, a, of relationships. If you're married, you know how it is. There might be one week in your marriage where like 
you're doing really good, right? You're doing great at work. You're getting all your chores done. You have a good attitude and your spouse is struggling. Maybe they just aren't, they're, they're, they're struggling. They're not having a great time. They're forgetting stuff. And you're kind of at that place of like, oh, I'm doing better than you, right? I'm, I'm the one who's got it together and you're the one that's struggling. But give it a couple weeks, right? And all of a sudden it's gonna change. And suddenly you're the one that's struggling and you're the one that's not doing that great. And you're the one that needs a lot of help and stuff like that. And that dynamic is kind of shifting. And what kindness is, is kindness is what do you do when you're the one who's got the power? What do you do when you're the one who has the ability to really crush somebody else? What do you do when you're the one who gets to make the call? Are you going to be good or are you going to use that to hurt? That's kindness right there. And you might be saying, well, I'm never the one that has power. I'm always the one getting squished. But I think if you really thought about it, whether it's in the relationship with your kids, whether it's relationship with your spouse, whether it's in your family, whether it's at work or at church, there's going to be situations in which you're the one in control. You're the one who gets to have the say. And that's where kindness comes in. And that's what separates it from goodness and gentleness is those are important, but kindness is specifically about what do you do when you have power? What do you do when you have the ability to hurt? What do you do when you're the one that other people are at your mercy? That's kindness. And that's what's important. And let me just tell you, most of you, I would say all of you probably, but I try not to do that, have been hurt by somebody who's had power over you, right? I know I have. As you grow up, someone who had authority over you, someone who had power over you, someone who had the ability to hurt you, did. And that stinks. And what happens is we tend to, as we get that power, as we start to get that ability to now, I'm the one that's in control, we tend to play that out again because we want to hurt and get back at the people who hurt us. The problem is usually the people that we're hurting are not the people who hurt us, are they? We kind of maybe put their face on that person, but ultimately we end up just handing that hurt down to the next generation again because we are playing out what happened to us. This is why kindness is so important is kindness teaches us, you might have been hurt. You might have been the one that when someone had power over you, they didn't use it right. And they did squish you when they could. But now that you have that control, now that you're the one with the authority, now you're the one that's in control, what are you gonna do with that? Are you gonna be kind? Or are you just gonna hand that hurt down to the next generation? Because the spirit of God is kind. I mean, that's, who God is, the kindness of God, is what led us to repentance. You want to talk about having the ability to squish us if you wanted to? Having all of the power to just wipe us off, yet he chose to say, no, I will show kindness. Even though I'm clearly the one in power, even though I have all the authority, I look at you and I choose to be kind to you. That's the spirit of God that lives in us. It knows how to be kind. But our flesh does not. And I would say, well, if you ask, what's the opposite of kindness? I'm going to bring you to, to Titus chapter 3. 
verses 3 through 5. And this is what it says. It says, We lived in malice and envy, being hated and hating one another. But when the kindness and love of God our Savior appeared, he saved us. One of the fruit of the flesh that's on that list of the fruit of the flesh is hatred. Hatred's a strong word, but some of us struggle with that because what hatred says is hatred says, when I get my chance, I'm going to make you pay, right? Just wait. Just wait till the tables turn. Wait till I get a chance. I'm going to make you feel what I felt. I'm going to get back at you. That's what hatred says. And so many of us, even though we don't admit it, even though we try to hide it, live in that state of just wait till I get my chance, right? That's not the spirit of God that lives in you. That's your flesh. Always wanting to get even, always wanting to make someone pay for what you felt. And like I said, oftentimes the people who end up feeling the pain aren't even the ones who caused you pain in the first place. You end up just passing that on to somebody else and you become that very thing that hurt you in the first place. And that's why it is so important for us to not listen to our flesh on this matter, to not have that in the back of our head is you just wait till the tables turn. You just wait till I get my chance. Because especially, I talked about marriages. This is one of, I, I told you a couple weeks ago, I said, I promise you, if you're married, the enemy is trying to divide you from your spouse. I promise you that. That's who the enemy is. He's trying to divide any relationship that God ordained, the enemy is trying to divide. And this is one of the greatest tools that he uses, is you hurt me, just wait until I get my chance. I'm going to hurt you back. And it just rotates. It's a continual cycle of us hurting each other. That's our flesh. That's not the Spirit of God. The Spirit of God says, look, even if you hurt me, when I get my chance, I'm going to show kindness. Because that's what God did. That's who he is. His kindness changes things. And that's why kindness is such a powerful force. Because if you can think of a time that maybe you were unkind, and when that person, whether it's your spouse or a friend or a boss or whoever, when they got their chance, they chose to show kindness to you. It impacts you. And that's why I said kindness is that force that restores relationships. I've done a lot of marriage counseling. And I've helped a lot, of, a lot of marriages get back. And I'll tell you, it always starts with an act of kindness from one side who has the ability to show kindness. That's always the start. Now, there's still going to be a lot of work, but kindness is one of those forces that people cannot deny. We talked about Joseph last week. And if you want to talk about kindness, let's read the story of Joseph. So let's do a quick recap. Joseph had his brothers beat him basically to death. They thought he was dead. Then when they realized he wasn't quite dead yet, sold him into slavery. So they had all the power, right? He was the youngest. He was outnumbered. He was smaller than everyone else. He did not have any power in that situation. And they used their power to beat him almost to death and then sell him into slavery. I would say that's unkind, right? 
Then, fast forward, all of the trials Joseph went through, all of the suffering, all of the fire that we talked about last week. Suddenly, he is the one with all of the power. He is second in command of the most powerful country on the face of the earth, most people believe at that time. And his brothers are starving to death and have to come to him and beg him for food. What did he do? Not only did he not kill and torture them, which he could have done. Not only did he give them food, which he didn't have to do. He actually told them, don't even be hard on yourself. Don't even be hard on yourself. God used this for good. And, and actually tried to clear their consciences of what they did. That's kindness. And it's amazing because what I have seen is God tends to elevate people into power who have proven that they can be kind. It wasn't an accident that Joseph became second in command of all of Egypt. He had proven himself to be kind throughout his processes. And it's one of those things you've heard, you've heard the saying that absolute power corrupts absolutely. You know, and it's this idea that, that you have someone who's, who's so good and nice, and as they get power, then they start to get corrupted and they start to do bad things. I think that even what the Bible tells us is that power just kind of shows who you are. It, it, it just gives you the chance to be who you are. If you have no power, you can't be mean because you don't have the ability to. It's all of a sudden you get all this power and now you can be who you always were. And this is where I will tell you, if you're somebody who's saying, well, I never have any power. I'm always the one getting kicked around. I promise you that if you really look at your life, there are situations in which you have the ability to be kind, in which someone needs you. And you have that ability to either say yes or no and choose to be kind in those. Because I'm convinced that, that even in the Bible, and I've seen it in life, is the more that we are kind with the power that we are given, the Bible says, if you are faithful with a little, God will give you more. And the more that we can be kind with the power that we have, in the situations in which somebody needs us, the situation where we have the ability to crush them or lift them up, and we choose to be kind, I believe that God is going to be faithful to give more and more. And if you're someone that's like, how do, I, how do I start? That's what I would say. Look at the situations in which you really do have the ability to be kind and choose to be kind in those situations and watch what God does in your life. Because this is what really differentiates us as believers, as Christians. I want to read to you the words of Jesus in Matthew chapter 5, verses 44 through 46. This is what he says. He says, But I tell you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you, that you may be children of your Father in heaven. He causes his Son to rise on the evil and the good and sends rain on the righteous and the unrighteous. If you love those who love you, what reward will you get? Are not even the tax collectors doing that? And I believe that if you can be someone that even though you have been hurt, you choose to be kind when you have that power and authority. What you're doing is you're showing the world how you're different. You're showing the world that as a Christian, there's something different. There's something special about this relationship that you have. Because the world, as you guys have experienced, doesn't do this. 
The world is like, if you're not kind to me, I won't be kind to you. But if, as Christians, if we can say, yeah, I've been hurt. Yeah, people in power over me have really done some, some bad things and I've been hurt. But even to those very people, if the tables turn, I will choose to show kindness to those people. What you're telling the world is that there's something very different about you and that you have something very special. And that's the power of kindness. If you think of the prodigal son, and most of you know that story, but it's, it's the story of, of many of us as believers that, that ran away from God. And it's this idea that the son took what he wanted from his father, ran away, squandered it all, a famine hit, he's starving to death, he's literally in the mud with pigs. And suddenly he realizes that he should go back home to his father. Do you remember why he chose to do that? He thought, wait, I remember how good my father was, even to his slaves. I remember the kindness my father showed to those that he had no, no one made him. He could have been unkind. He had every right to, yet to those he had power over, he was good. I remember the kindness of my father, and that was the force that restored that relationship. And so if you want to be a peacemaker, if you want peace to flow out of your life, if you want to be somebody that when I walk into a situation, there's wholeness and relationships are restored, the biggest force is kindness. When you have power, when you have authority, when you have the ability to harm or help, what do you do? What are you going to choose? Even if you have been hurt, even if you're still dealing with the brokenness, and I will say, and this is kind of a, a freebie, do you know what actually is one of the best ways to heal from being hurt? Is for you yourself to be kind. There's something that happens when you show kindness to others. When you say no to handing down that pain to the next generation, that heals inside of you. And we don't think it. Our flesh says, no, the only way you're going to feel better is for you to make them pay, for you, to, for you to make someone else hurt the way you were hurt. But the reality is, is it's actually through kindness that your heart starts to heal. And you have to trust that that's the case because I've seen it. And so my question today, as we close, is just this. Have you accepted the kindness of God? Because just like all of the fruit is, you have to receive it first. You have to be full of it before it can spill out of your life. You, that's how all of this works. Like I've said multiple times, you can't expect a glass that's full of apple juice to spill coffee. It's going to spill what's in it. And so, have you taken the time to really appreciate and receive and accept the kindness of God? that you serve a kind God, that no matter what, you're always going to be in a situation where he's the one with the power, he's the one with the authority, and that he's always going to be kind. That's who he is. Are you filled with that? Are you living in that kindness? Because then that kindness will spill out into the world, and the, the Spirit of God in you knows how to be kind. So that's who he is, and we experience it every day. Us waking up today, it was an act of God's kindness. His kindness is all over our life. And the first step for us is to live in an awareness of that so that that kindness spills out for us. So if you guys will stand, I want to pray over you. Lord, I thank you for your kindness. 
Lord, I thank you that in every situation when you're the one that's always in control, you're the one that always has the power, and we're always the ones that are in need, yet you never use that power for our harm. You never use that power to hurt us. You're always using it for our good. You're always being kind. And Lord, I thank you for that. I thank you that we can rest in that, that we can know that. And Lord, I pray that that kindness fills us, that it spills out of us, that Lord, as we go through this life and there are going to be situations in our our families or at work or at church or with friendships or wherever where we have the ability to be kind or not. We have the ability to to lift up or, or squash people. Lord, I pray that you give us that ability to let that kindness spill out of our life, Lord. That we would be restorers of relationships, Lord God, through that kindness. And Lord, that people could see our life from even afar off and know that there's something different because of this. That we don't, we don't operate in the same way that the world operates, Lord. And so we just thank you that you don't ask us to do anything that you didn't first do for us. Lord, that any of this kindness that you ask us to show, you showed us first, Lord God. And we just thank you for that. And Lord, I pray that you give every single person here the opportunity this week to be kind. Even today, Lord God, that you show them those situations in which kindness is available to them to show. We love you, Lord. And Lord, we can't wait to be led by your spirit today and every day. In your name, amen.